Special guest, Ryan Murphy. Welcome back. This is GGR Pirate Radio. This is the original GGR Pirate Radio, uh, even though I tripped all over it. So um, do not be fooled by imitators. This is the original one because more, most importantly, you got me, uh, Mike Lunsford, editor-in-chief of GGR. But we also have the co-founder of GGR. We also have our one of our key contributors, but he's been gone for a while. But we found him. He's back. Uh, after working in the coal mines of uh, the Pennsylvania area, um, which I'm surprised because I thought they said, like, per that Billy Joel song, that they had gotten all the coal out of the ground. Uh, but we've got Steve Monick. What's up, here. everybody? May the force be with you. Oh, yeah, because there, there was a movie I think maybe somebody might have heard about. Yeah, Alvin and the Chipmunks Road Chip. I think it's like the fourth <laughs> one in the series. Very well done. One, one of the best things I saw was on the Today Show. Uh, it was the Monday after Star Wars got released. They um, they put up the box office uh, numbers, and they were like, Star Wars made $327 million. And number two, Alvin and the Chipmunks, $14 million. And you're just like, damn. Wow. That's ridiculous. Like, there was that much of a disparity between the movies. Um but yeah, like we uh, already kind of started talking about it, but this is the first podcast we've done since, God, when was the last one we did, Steve? Was it October? Yeah, it was a couple months ago for sure. Was it even further back than that? It might have been even further back than that. Might have been. Yeah. No, you know what? I was still in the old house, so it would have been, it would have been like August or, yeah, it was like August. Wow. So it's been like four months since we've had one of these. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas to all who are listening. Um, Steve, before we jump into this, um, kind of give everybody a little uh, background. What what have you been up to these last four months that you've been so busy? Yeah, I've been working um, at my new job up here in Pennsylvania. That's been taking up a majority of my time. Also planning uh, a wedding to my fiance. So shout out to Amanda. Love you. Uh, do not love Star Wars more than you, despite the fact I'm going to take an hour right now to talk about it. Um, and one of the luxuries of having a fiance and a new family is that you get to meet other very cool people. And Amanda's brother, Ryan is joining us today. Um, he is just as nerdy, if not more so than me and Michael. And he also saw star Wars and had some things to say about it. Um, so we have him on the podcast as well. Ryan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello everyone. This is Ryan Murphy. He's a man (laughs) of many words, as you can tell. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, definitely welcome to uh, GGR Pirate Radio, Ryan. Um, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, what's really going to be cool about all of this is it, it's very, like, circular, or secular in the sense that the first podcast we ever had, was it was about this time last year. And what were we talking about on our first podcast ever, Steve? We were talking about Star Wars. Yeah, we decided to do, like, what our prequel right. rewrites, those kind of things, uh, you know, our ideas for it. Um, catchphrases came out of that. It was a good time. Oh my God. I got to tell you about this too. So GGR got their first, um, troll a couple of months ago. Uh, not even a couple of months ago. It was like, it was like, I know we're big deal now, right? Uh, it was like a month ago because leading up to the new movie, I started re-releasing, well, not re-releasing, but just like republicizing those podcasts plus the articles that I wrote about episode one and episode two. And I had this guy 
go off on a tangent and it was it was so insanely like it it was like somebody who was both angry and drunk and loved Star Wars all at the same time was was ranting about this and he was just like and you don't know what the hell you're talking about you don't know anything about this George Lucas would be ashamed to read this and I'm just like really like I didn't even know how to respond I ended up just deleting what he said and I, and I like responded back to him because he put his email on there and I was like listen man if you've got a differing opinion cool I would love for you to write an article and I'll post it on here he's like I'm not putting anything on your well because we censor this podcast I'm not putting anything on your F second letter second letter website because you guys are a bunch of another F word that's not the same as the first one uh idiots and you guys probably all well he said we were very friendly with each other um but it was just like I was like wow okay so we're I guess we're not going to get any intelligent conversation from this guy but it was I was like, wow, we made it. We made such of an impact that somebody was so mad that they started having to curse and throw horrible epithets at our uh, website. I mean, that was the dream. When we started this website, we were like, we want to get someone so angry that they use all the seven curse words that they know how to say. Uh, Mike, we've accomplished this. We can shut her down now, I think, right? That was it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, we can walk away uh, in, uh, gloriously into the sunset as a... Uh, as we have succeeded, uh, we have uh, achieved our goal. Um, but uh, really, nineties Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. We can just walk off into the sunset, knowing we have won all the championships we need to win. Mid nineties Michael Jordan. So you mean retire after your dad dies and uh, try to duck all of those gambling charges that you were going to get nailed? Yes, <laughs> among gambling speculation, and I'm just leaving you as Scotty Pippen holding the bag, just saying. I guess I'll go play for the Portland Trailblazers now. <laughs> all right, Scotty. Good luck, bud. See you later. Uh, but let's 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 dive into this. Um, if you guys haven't been familiar with the website, which again, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast and you're not, uh, that's it's the Great Geek Refuge. It's www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Uh, I just wrote not too long ago uh, a spoiler-free review of uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. But let's put this out there right now. It has been what about eight nine days now since the movie came out. It came out. If on you the haven't 18th, seen, movie, so eight days. Yeah. As of this recording. So the 18th, okay. So as of this recording, it has been eight days since this movie came out. If you have not seen it yet, but you're listening to this to hear our take on it, I'm sorry, no more no more spoiler-free stuff. We're, we're diving into this. We're talking about this. It's all spoilers all the time. Everything left in, nothing left out. And I've read Mike's review. It paints a beautiful picture of what you can expect in The Force Awakens without giving plot details or anything major away in it so if you want to come to ggr and say like do these guys like it i value their opinion should i go see it that's where you want to be this podcast is going to be talking about our thoughts on the plot and the characters and where it's going to go and fan theories that kind of stuff this is not where you want to go for your review of it i mean there will be some of that but this is not where you want to be because it's about to hit spoiler city and, and we're the mayors (laughs) Mayors of Spoiler City. Um, I wanted to, real quick, I'm going to gloat, because I wrote an article, again, you know, shameless plug here, I know. Um, I wrote an article before The Force Awakens came out about the whereabouts of Luke Skywalker, because that was the big concern. Everybody was like, well, he's not in the trailer. He's uh, not on the movie poster. Where the hell is he? And there were just ridiculous, ridiculous thoughts on where he might be. They're like, oh, well, he turned... Uh, he turned dark, and now he's he's an evil uh, Sith Lord, or, oh, he's Kylo Ren. And there was one that was actually written, uh, and it was put up on the Huffington Post. And this was such a smug douchebag. Like, he was like, oh, well, Luke has definitely uh, turned on the dark side, because you could see in uh, Empire Strikes Back when Yoda told him, if you leave now, you're going to be an agent of evil. So if Yoda said that he was evil, and I was like, dude, F this guy. Like, this is ridiculous. And he was so wrong. And I enjoyed every minute of it, because he was so wrong, so so wrong about everything about that movie and he was it was it was fantastic and so many other people who were like oh well luke is definitely uh, kylo ren there's no way that he's not he definitely turned to the dark side you guys were all wrong and you're idiots and i loved every minute of it so thank you yeah i mean i i couldn't agree more <laughs> i was so happy with the direction because luke was always i mean everyone's favorite's han everyone loves han i love han too but growing up as a kid I was a Luke fan. I identified with the main character and went along that journey and everything. And the idea of him becoming a bad guy was preposterous to me. There was a comic, and you're going to kill me, fans, if I don't get it. I believe it's Dark Empire, 
where Luke um, pretends or sort of does fall to the dark side, becomes like the new Darth Vader because Palpatine has been cloning self and moving his essence into these new bodies. I believe that's Dark Empire. Um, and I read that and I'm like, Luke would not be the new Darth Vader. He spent his entire journey in these first movies turning Darth Vader back. He wouldn't be like, well, maybe Palpatine had a point this whole time. No, I didn't like that storyline. So the idea in the movies of him being the new Darth Vader and being a bad guy was preposterous to me. Yeah. And that's, it is dark empire. I did, I did double check that, but I, I agree completely. I mean, I was, I was a Luke fan. Uh, as a kid as well like I Han was cool but he he wasn't Luke Skywalker and that that's what I wanted and for them to ha- to even speculate that he would go dark it was just yeah like you said absolutely preposterous and there, there's no way it was going to happen um there yeah there were just so many people that that were so sure of themselves they were like oh well this is definitely going to happen and none of them were right and it was absolutely fantastic because it showed one that this isn't George Lucas making this movie, which, by the way, I don't know if you read this or not. Did you read what he said about the movie? Yeah. You did? Like his his sour grapes response of, I think the fans will really like it. Like he was just such an old bitch about it. Yeah. Like he's like, you, he's like, you took, he's like, you took my movie and you made it better. And I'm just not mad. I'm not happy about it because, you know, there weren't. There wasn't some annoying CGI character and not everything was green screen. So I didn't like it. Like he was just, he was so bitter and it was lovely. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to look at because there was so much new, I kind of want to do go around the table and just say what yeah. our favorite new thing was from it. Okay, and, cool. And I think like, that's great. Yeah. And I'd like to start. I liked like the new character dynamic between Ray and Finn and Poe because so many movies have from Star Wars like the Luke Han Leia where there's the main guy then they're two best friends a guy and a girl and they end up together it's your Harry Ron Hermione you know what I mean like you have that structure in so many and I like that this one got flipped on its head the new characters themselves were very interesting but I like the new dynamic of it where there's the female lead but it's not overtly like ooh, look it's a lady as the lead like they do with some of the other ones like hunger games and divergent i like those stories but they very blatantly are like it's a girl who's the hero and (laughs) that's our whole thing this one overtly was like hey she's a female and they made that point but they didn't cram it down your throat and it's flipping the star wars hero team structure on its head and i like that a lot well, and to take it back too to like the roots of Star Wars, when Luke when Lucas was writing the original one, Luke was originally going to be a girl, and to take that motive and then actually do it this time and not like essentially almost like cowtail to the fact that you don't really see strong female leads in movies like that. JJ Abrams doesn't care. He's like, I'm doing this, and this is the way it's going to be. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. That was awesome, um, Ryan. You've been quiet. Uh, but this happens all the time because Steve and I talk a lot. Um, what did you like new about the new, uh, the new movie? So I, I think one of the things that, that really struck me was that the structure of it was, I guess, a little less, I don't know what, I don't want to say serialized within the movie, but uh, looking at the old movies, what you have a lot of the time is that you'll have, you know, story A happening in location A and story B happening in Cloud City. And then you jump back and forth and see, oh, let's check in with, with what's going on with Han and Leia, and let's check in with Luke, and let's go over here and look at this thing, and now they're on Endor, and things are going on. What it felt like with this movie is that they weren't afraid to take characters and just have them not be around for a while. Poe is not around for a lot of the movie. Yeah. They have BB-8 do a thing, and then bb Eight story is kind of like, okay, well, we, we're going to focus on other things right now. We don't have to be checking back in with this. Yeah. Um, and that it felt to me allowed the story to flow a lot more smoothly. And it was it. And I mean, there are a lot of comparisons between this and a new hope, but it felt a lot. I guess it felt a lot more like that rather than uh, the later uh, movies in the original trilogy and the prequels where there's just so much jumping around that it gets kind of 
I don't want to say confusing, but uh, it, it breaks everything up to an extent yeah. that, you know. You, it, you lose some momentum with that, too, because right. if you're telling an awesome story and Luke's in the middle of a training in Dagobah, and then all of a sudden you're flashing Han and Leia just chilling on the Millennium Falcon, like, attached to the back of a Star Destroyer, you're like, wait, I was really excited about that, and now, wait, I have to change how I'm feeling because they're not doing anything exciting. Yeah, it with a linear storyline, it's much easier to keep the excitement up and the pacing up, and you don't have to bounce back and forth. So, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. One of the things that I love... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Ben. You're good. I was just going to say, like, I'm in the minority. My favorite Star Wars is Return of the Jedi. I I love that one. I always have. And I always love the big battle at the end. But Ryan saying that, I never even really thought about it in that context. But the big battle at the end where you jump from Endor to the space battle above Endor to the lightsaber duel on the Death Star... I never realized how truncated those sections ended up being and, like, how it can steal... Like, imagine the Luke Vader lightsaber fight if it's one continuous section where you're just seeing them do their thing um, instead of, you know, the Emperor says something snide and laughs and then we jump to teddy bears on Endor and then they fight for a little while and looks like they're going to lose and then it jumps to Lando pulling away from the Death Star. Like, if they would have kept them in bigger sections, you can get that full impact the way that the whole scene, and here's where we're really going to dive into spoilers, where Han and Kylo are on the catwalk. I mean, it literally starts with Han seeing him, contemplating whether or not he should go approach him at all because he has the opportunity to sneak away and he chooses not to he walks up to he yells his name ben walks up to him they have the entire conversation you see ray and finn come in and then the moment happens and if that was broken apart with an x-wing approach of the resistance or a shot of leia and them you know planning something over in the resistance home base that would have stolen a little bit from that moment not that it would have been less impactful but there's something about having it all together the music cuts and you're just watching this moment happen that i guess the originals never had and that's a phenomenal point i never even noticed yeah i gotta say though man if you had broken that scene up i mean it still would have been powerful but like it wouldn't have had that because I don't know about you, but when I was watching it, I was like, "Oh shit!" I think I know what's going to happen. And you're like, "Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't." Wait, he's handing him a lightsaber. Maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe he's going to. Oh no! Oh god! Like it because they would have lost that suspense. Talking to Vader's yeah. helmet and him saying, "Like yeah. I still feel the light side tugging right. at yeah. me." Maybe Han talking to him was enough. You, you have that sliver of hope. But yeah, when yeah. the music isn't playing in the background, whether it's good or bad, you just you get that eerie feeling like i don't know what i'm supposed to be feeling right now i don't know where this is going if it's like bad guy music playing in the background you know he's still a bad guy and we know what's going to happen and conversely if it's light you know hopeful music yeah exactly then he'll he'll be uh he'll be perfectly fine and everybody will walk away friends and it'll be lovely um what i loved about this is that it it, it, it had a duality to it. it. It felt both familiar and new. There was enough Star Wars to it that you were like, well, this is definitely a Star Wars movie. But then there was enough that they changed and that was different where you're like, this this is not the same Star Wars that I'm used to. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. So you, you get the familiar, like, awesome droid who's going to do something cool and who's, like, got a personality and he's funny. And, I mean, just a quick aside to him, BB-8 stole the show. That robot was so freaking funny. Like, when when Finn is like, hey, it's cool. Just pretend like I'm part of the resistance. And he does that look back and forth between Ray and him, like, trying to decide whether or not he's going to tell him what planet they're on. Like, um, maybe I should. And then he gives him the blowtorch thumbs up. Like, that, yeah, that was killer. I was like, all right, this robot's pretty cool. And he's not just a gimmick. Um, but also, too, you saw a different kind of dynamic between the characters that we never really saw before with Han and Luke and Chewie and Obi-Wan. They were like, all right, well, we're going to ferry you to Alderaan and this will be cool. And there was a certain distance between them. But when you saw Finn and Poe on the, um, on the Star Destroyer and Finn agrees to help him out and they're in the TIE fighter and they're blowing away the other TIE fighters and shooting the cannons out. And they're like, having this bro moment and like high-fiving each other. They're like, oh, that was awesome. I know that was awesome, bro. You're totally off. I was like, this is not Star Wars, but this is awesome. This is 
this is an emotion that we haven't seen from this series pretty much ever. And it was, it was really, really, fr- it was a fresh feel to it. And same thing with Finn. We've never seen a character like this before. We've never seen a bad guy turn into a good guy, except for Vader at the very end. This was something that I feel like this series needed. And it didn't feel like stale and stuffy at times. It, it was it was new and fresh, and, and anybody could pick this up and enjoy it. I feel like that's what my biggest fear was, was that it was going to be so rooted in the originals that if you hadn't had a cataloged memory of every character and every event that happened, you wouldn't be able to enjoy it. And I feel like I'm going to be able to take my fiancé, who's never seen Star Wars, and she could enjoy it. There's a, yeah. a lot rooted in Easter eggs and character building and development where you can enjoy it, I think, more if you've seen other Star Wars. But you could be a brand new, fresh-to-Star Wars individual, and there's still a lot to, to latch on to. You don't need to have a, a history past with the originals to enjoy what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is... They, they did this... Right. They, they did it justice. And not only did they do it justice, I don't want to say it surpassed any of the originals other than the prequels. Like, this is something that it needed for a long time. It took a, it got a necessary shot in the arm for for Star Wars. Because um, if they just continued on their on their path, I mean, you'd get some cartoons that, that are pretty cool. Like, Star Wars Rebels. Jackson and I started watching that. That is, I'm enjoying that so far. But, um... This is something that that it needed to really put it over the top, and Disney definitely knows what they're doing. I mean, we, we saw it with Marvel, we're seeing it with Star Wars now. I think I'm I'm so giddy about this. Like, I can't wait for the next movie. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, two years is a long time. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, let's talk about some of the other things because I mean, we we already spoiled the the Han. Well, actually, we didn't. We we teased it, but we didn't really say exactly what happened. If you guys uh, didn't figure that out yet, um, unfortunately, Han Solo did meet his end. Uh, when his son, uh, Ben Solo, now referred to as Kylo Ren, uh, finished him off with his uh, his crazy uh, cross-guard lightsaber that he has. He got what I like to deem a comic book certain death. Yeah. And yeah. that is, in comics, they're always bringing people back. So when they want someone dead, like Ben Riley in Spider-Man, for example, they will stab him and throw him down like a, a incinerator and burn him. And then you can see like a charred dead skeleton. Like they make sure they die yeah. like six ways. Yeah. Han got a lightsaber through the chest and they threw him down a hundred mile deep pit. He's not coming back. Like they did and not the leave that in big too, so anyway. the planet, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like he could not be more dead. So any theories of him coming back, not going to happen. No. And I don't want to say I saw it coming because that would be trying to, again, be the, like those people that I absolutely can't stand to think they've got it all figured out. But if you look back at it and you know kind of the background behind Star Wars, you kind of did see it coming because right after Empire Strikes Back, the reason why they put Han Solo in Carbonite in the first place was because Harrison Ford wasn't 100% sure that he wanted to come back and play the character again. So for... For them to kill him off in this one, I, I get it. it. It really does make sense because it just kind of fits with the way Harrison Ford has felt about the Star Wars movies in the first place. So I know he's going to be in the next one. They've already He's already listed as in the next movie, so I'm sure it'll be like flashbacks and stuff like that. We're probably going to get to see some of Kylo Ren's past. We're probably going to get to see what made him turn to the dark side. Um, but he's not going to have a major role like he did in uh, in this one. No, and, and with that history coupled with the marketing, that was the only hints you really got. Because, I mean, the marketing was like, Han and Chewie, Han and Chewie, look, everyone, Han and Chewie, even Carrie Fisher, who was in it for a decent amount, she yeah. was barely in any of the marketing. She's not smack dab front of the poster like Han is. Like, they're like, hey, get an eye full of Han now because you're not going to get a chance to later. Yeah. I got to say, though, I got to give some serious props to Carrie Fisher. She, in her interviews that she was doing for this, she killed it. Oh my God, did she kill it. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of these. She was on a uh, good morning of America and she was hilarious. Like she was, she had her dog with her when she was there and she was just so like off the cuff and funny and was talking about star Wars. And she was like, yeah, that made me lose weight, which is kind of stupid, but you know, whatever I can get it. I'm kind of out of shape. So it's cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> and she, there was this one, it was on Twitter, right? 
so this dude, this hipster juice bag just like went off on this tangent. It was just like when Leia's in the slave costume that portrays women as slaves and it portrays women as this. How am I going to explain why Leia was wearing that costume to my daughter? And she was like, you tell her that the weird freaky slug dude made her wear the outfit. And she was so pissed that she had to wear the outfit that she choked the (laughs) out of him. And he was, and she just like completely shot the guy down. And it was like, bravo to you, princess Leia. You are, are still awesome. 30 years later. Like there it was, are, it was so well played. There are so many other examples of women being objectified in film. Star Wars is not one of them. No, you could argue there needs no, to be more female characters and they're doing that with Ray. Like the level of number of male characters to female. Sure. You could make that case all day long, but objectified like that. No, not the case at all. Yeah. And I got to say, too, um, props to Daisy Ridley. She was Unreal. awesome yeah, as Ray. Yeah, she was fantastic. And as a dad, it's cool that we're going to get a main character Jedi that's a female for my son. Because it's like, hey, look, not everybody who's a hero has to be a dude. And they don't have to be wearing skimpy clothes. She's going to be just as badass as everybody else. And there's not going to be anything, like you said, to objectify her like we've seen in other movies. But also, too, props to the Star Wars guys and to Disney and to J.J. Abrams. I had no idea that she was going to be a Jedi. I just figured it was Finn because in the previews, you saw him with the lightsaber. And, I mean, that that's kind of what they wanted us to believe, which is cool. Like, he he they did an excellent job of really putting the bait and switch out there. You know, like, hey, look at this. Look at this thing. Oh, wait, this is really what's going on. And also, too, to John Boyega as Finn. Finn, like, what a what a character. Like, that was... I mean, you see the stormtrooper element. He's like, I don't want to kill anybody. And then, like, his friend dies, and that really freaks him out. But, like, for them to pick up a lightsaber, as they've told us in this series since the beginning, nobody uses lightsabers except for Jedi. But he was like, no, F this. This is the only weapon I got. I'm fighting with it. And the fact that he – I don't know what the hell that thing was that that stormtrooper had that he was fighting him with, but that weapon was badass, and that was one of the best fight scenes in that movie. I don't even – no, like if there is a true parallel to what his character or because like Ray is like Luke, yeah. But I don't yeah. think there's like a Finn analog because he's not really Han because he's not no. like some suave BA kind of guy because he no, that's all po. Lot is po like, Han. exactly and he's kind of cowardly and he's kind of <laughs> wacky and everything. Like it's almost like if you rolled up, I don't even know, like. I don't, there isn't a parallel. I like. I don't think there's a character like him in Star Wars before, and that was so refreshing. If you were going to have one, and you'd have to dig deep, you'd have to go to Shadows of the Empire. Maybe, maybe he's Dash Rendar. Maybe. See, I was even Dash as a one to one with Han because Han was in Carbonite, and they needed that Han character. So they're just like, yeah, here's this guy that's kind of cool. I mean, he was a little more jokey than Han, but Han had yeah. his moments with that as well. Yeah. That's true, and I and and again, props to uh, to Harrison Ford as Han. He was. It, it took him no time. He was immediately Han again, and there was no like, wow, he's just you know they just propped him up and like they're making him say Han lines, but they don't, it, this isn't him anymore. No, and there were things that he did that he didn't really do before, like with him and the bowcaster when he took the bowcaster <laughs> from Chewie, <laughs> and he was like, I like this thing. Like that was <laughs> that, and they started fighting on the. Uh, Oh, when they were on Starkiller Base, when in the snow, and he was just like, "You're cold." Like that's yeah. It was it was it was Han and Chewie all over again. But to kind of tie back to Han's death, that noise that Chewie made after Han got got oh yeah killed was like it was like gut wrenching. And you just see him like run around. I mean, just tearing dudes up, just blasting them to pieces. Yeah. To not be all positive about it, I mean, I can be nitpicking everything. I want to go around the table again and hit on something that we maybe didn't like or thought could be improved okay. about the movie. Do you have one, Ryan, like of something that you thought a little nitpicky maybe that could have been increased or looked at for the next movie? I mean, so going back to sort of how this whole thing was set up, and, and I think this is really something that's changed about how movies are sort of done since 40 years ago when Star Wars came out. 
what you had here was a lot less like so if you look at a new hope that's essentially a complete story you have uh luke find out that you know he's able to tap into this power he's led on this journey by by obi-wan and he destroys the death star and uh you know that's it they hand out medals except the chewy and music plays <laughs> credits roll uh, with this, um, it did feel a lot more, it, it felt like a story, but it also, it feels a lot more, this is a part of a serial thing that's going to come out. Uh, so there were things in this that I'm sort of taking on faith are going to be resolved and I'm sure they will be, but it's something that I guess that's just a difference from if you're looking at the original trilogy to this, and of course, you know, the further you move along in the original trilogy, you have like empire, which is, you know, it ends at a place that this is a clear cliffhanger. This is going to be resolved, but there are a lot of things. And I think that's what being uh, nitpicked apart by uh, a lot of people who are saying a lot of negative things about this movie. Uh, there are a lot of things that haven't quite been resolved. And so we, I guess we'll see. Uh, where all this goes. So if I had to make a criticism of this movie, I guess it would be that it relies pretty heavily on you're going to see the rest of this movie in future years and you'll come back for it, which I will. But uh, yeah, I guess that would be. So like the J.J. Abrams lost school of right. directing where it's just, Really, the first half of everything you're going to see is just setting up mysteries that will be resolved six years from now. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is a stark difference. Um, so, yeah, because you have the, like, forced dream that Ray had and what that all means. Her right. parentage, why she was left there. They even kind of dropped that, like, Finn was stolen as a baby. So, I mean, they yeah. don't really need to get into that. But I kind of would like to know more about the First Order and, oh, like, absolutely. where I they're stealing too, yeah. babies from. Um, well, and just how their whole governmental structure operates, right? Because the Empire, you were like, okay, this is a overruling force in the universe. Whereas the First Order, I, my understanding, I guess, is kind of that they're one of the factions which has risen up, in which case they're very well funded because they turned a planet into a weapon. Yeah. But, like, I, you know, I want to know how all that operates. Can I can I throw a tip in here? No. They're, the, oh, up yours. Um, <laughs> the book, um, crap, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a book, I want to say it was Aftermath, yep. that delves into this a little bit that touches on who the First Order is and where they get this technology from. But in fairness, this movie should have at least a yeah. self-contained, like, even just one or two lines of, like, I agree. Leia yeah. being like, well, ever since the First Order, blah, 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 and gives us just yeah. a bullet point of what that is. Because mm -hmm. it was just kind of assumed, well, they look like stormtroopers, so I guess they were the Empire before. Like, they, yeah. they have their boss guys in black uniforms and then stormtroopers. So... They're just yeah. the Empire 2.0, I guess. But yeah, it's never no, and I, and I totally agree. I hate going into a movie and have to have homework that's involved. Yeah, you know, yeah, and like it's, I, I I agree with you totally. And and to kind of tie into what you were saying there, Ryan, my biggest gripe with this was the the weak bad guys. Your villains were not that strong. Kylo Ren was the most interesting because of the personal demons and battles that he's having. But, like, we were told that General Hux was going to be awesome. And other than his Hitler-esque speech that he gave on Starkiller Base, what did he do other than stand around and yeah. look nervous? I kind of assumed he was going to be Tarkin, where Tarkin yeah. never really had to yell or do anything. But he, Peter Cushing, such a good actor, he was menacing just because yeah. Yeah. he politely in his British accent was like, blow up that planet. And, and, yeah. and billions of people were wiped away. Um, Hux, I always, I did love how evil he just turned in that speech. Like you said, like yeah. Hitler-esque, but you're right. Other than that, he didn't, he just always seemed like it was him and Kylo were brothers that liked to brawl with each other right. for dad's approval. And I didn't care for that. Yeah. There could have been so much more with that, but also too, to tie into that one, 
I think one of the characters that was hyped up the most before this movie came out was Captain Phasma. Don't for... steal my answer, Mike. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll do... We'll, I'll no, do no, mine. Go ahead, I'll two. think of another okay. one. Go ahead. <laughs> Phasma. The fact that it's a female in a Stormtrooper armor, but not just any Stormtrooper armor, chromed out, like tricked out, pimp my ride style armor, and we're told how badass she's going to be. And she did nothing. Squat in this movie. It was... It was kind of pathetic. I was like, this is your strong female bad and nothing happens? Like, this this is not what we need. Especially, like, when there was such a fervor over this in the first place. Um, again, though, the, and this is kind of to tie back with what Ryan said, unlike the old movies, um, it's not single contained. Just to kind of touch on that just for a second, I mean, Lucas had no idea when he made the first one that this was going to become a trilogy. And then a trilogy and a prequel. So he had to like retrofit everything to fit in this time. They knew exactly what they were doing, that there were going to be three movies. So, and in JJ Abrams style, like you said, with lost, he can set it up and he can say, Oh, I can give this little tidbit here and then finish it two movies from now. So it's a, it's a little bit different. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Cause it is a little annoying, but I, I get where they're going and I can see why they can do it this time when they couldn't have done it before. I guess just and like the, the oh go ahead go ahead I was gonna say the, the only other thing that irked me was the same one of the things that I actually applauded them for was the was the fresh dialogue um, and I'll give you an example like the positive was when Poe gets captured by Ren and they they're both just staring at each other and Poe's like sorry so which one of us talks first me you I was like okay this is I like this I like this guy already and then Ren starts talking to him and he's like I can't hear a word you're saying through that mask can you like take that off or something i was like this is the first time it's been genuinely funny star wars dialogue and not just like funny little jokes that we all giggle at um but on the flip side finn was a little too over the top for me at points and he was a little too like it's like you're trying to force this dialogue on us i was like he oh he has oh he's black he has to be cool so he's got to say cool black guy things i was like wait a minute that's that's a bit much but it wasn't so bad that it was like like laughably bad so it was they they got close to pushing it over the edge, but it, it stayed pretty fresh for the most part. Okay, Mike. Even though you stole my Captain Phasma one, I got another <laughs> one that will parlay nicely into the next section I wanted to talk about. So you're welcome, okay. I guess. Um, <laughs> so one nitpick thing, and for me even watching it, I didn't. But people I've talked to, things I've read, this was a gripe that people had. How quickly ray progressed with her powers literally going yep. from i scavenge star destroyers and all of a sudden i'm fighting toe-to-toe with a guy that's been trained by luke and by snoke to a degree and i can go toe-to-toe with them even though i just now embrace the force or whatever and i like i said i didn't personally mind that because it just seemed like she was a natural at everything and the taking care of herself on the planet and scavenging the different star destroyers basically taught herself about ships and piloting and that kind of stuff like to me it was plausible but a lot of people had a gripe with that but yep. moving into the next section i wanted to talk about i again wanted to go round table on this and talk about some of our favorite little fan theories that have already popped up about those mysteries that ryan brought up fans can't not help but start answering those questions because we're not going to wait two years to find out what the real answer is um one fan theory that i absolutely love because the big mystery is who is ray where did she come from why is she there the who she is there's a lot of argument about who her parentage is I like the ridiculous fan theory that she is a child of Luke and a secret Obi-Wan Kenobi daughter. So she has Kenobi <laughs> and Skywalker blood. Yep. That's why she's and that's so why she's ridiculously ass. powerful. I'm on board. Yeah. I mean, it's so yeah, cool. I'm okay like, that. you're just sitting there and you were talking about Rebels going back to Clone Wars. They did establish Obi-Wan had a love relationship with yeah. Satine, who is the queen of Mandalore the Boba Fett, Jango Fett people. So not only is she a Kenobi and a Skywalker, but she's got Mandalore blood. That's why she's a natural fighter as well. So like everything you learned about the prequels, all the cool good guys and everything, she's got all of it plus Boba Fett. So I love that fan theory. 
it's not going to happen. You said you don't like homework. That's like eight layers of homework to get to that point. <laughs> but yeah, it would be really cool if that ended up happening. I'd be okay with that. And I got to say too, um, there is a fan theory out there that's very similar to that, that she is Obi-Wan's granddaughter. They didn't tie in the fact that she's Obi-Wan's granddaughter and also Luke's daughter. But I mean, that would be even better. Um, they were saying though, and the reason why they were like, well, he's a Jedi. He, he made a pact that he would never, you know, get with women or he would never love and blah, blah, blah. You got to think though, man, when he goes to Tatooine to watch over Luke, there is no Jedi order anymore. They don't exist. So for him to keep a vow of celibacy, basically, because of an order that no longer exists, I, I, I mean, he's still a man. So maybe he was like, all right, you know what? Yoda's not here to yell at me in case I bang some broad. So, all right, <laughs> let's go hit these bars and see what I can find. Like, it's entirely possible. He went to Mandalore, you know? Maybe he found that queen from Mandalore and he was like, listen... I still got the lightsaber, but uh, I don't really have that whole, you know, vow of celibacy thing anymore. So uh, let's take care of business here and make some Jedi babies. Yeah, and the idea that the prequels established that if you're a good Jedi, you're essentially a Vulcan and have no emotion whatsoever. I hate it. I liked the concept of, well, too much emotion, connection, obsessing about a person or a thing. That's what would drive someone to the dark side. And, like, if they would have put it that way where – and it wasn't that Anakin was in love with Padme, but he was obsessed with her and so emotionally connected that he would compromise his values as a Jedi to protect her, to keep her safe and turn to the dark side. Sure. But like they established like, all right, Obi-Wan, he's the best Jedi because he don't feel the feelings. That's ridiculous to me. And I like the idea that, like you said, after the Jedi order is over, he's going, well, I, you know, I'm a, still a human being. I still have emotions and feelings. I haven't purged them like the Vulcans that he would do something about it. Or maybe even some convoluted idea that he needed to yeah. reestablish the Jedi Order just because there's only so many left. <laughs> so yeah, I gotta that... reestablish the Jedi Order. I gotta bang as many broads as I can. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, just, just to add on to that uh, really quickly, I would like... I kind of want this to be true now. I want this to all happen in universe because I would like to establish the idea that there is like, here's a line. And the problem is that Anakin is really creepy and is like, I'm going to put a camera in your bedroom for your safety. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, no, <laughs> there's a right way to do this. And you're like, I don't get away. Don't. There is a scene in attack of the clones. It's the scene where, Anakin and Padme are about to leave for Naboo and she's walking around and packing her luggage mm-hmm. and um, she's talking about that bill and everything and blah, blah, blah. And it's super boring and everything. She walks out of the room. He turns and has this look of like, you're mine. I'm going to get you. Like he's such a creep. And <laughs> I think we need to rewatch the prequels of him as yeah. some sort of, pedophile stalker weirdo i don't know maybe it's because she's like 10 years older than him or whatever there is even and i think it's the same packing thing scene uh she says a line and it's one of the more convincing lines in that movie she says you make me feel uncomfortable (laughs) yeah there's have you have you read the theory that he was jedi mind tricking her the entire time no (laughs) did that just blow your mind like that's why she fell in love with him Oh my god! Yeah, it just happened. Yeah, he's like Rufus but I mean, like, Maximus Ryan... or what? Oh, that's Harry Potter. But you know what I mean, Ryan. I don't know if you ever read our uh, or listened to the podcast where we were talking about like our fan theories and like how we feel we could improve the Star Wars uh, uh, prequels. But one of the things that we did was the reason why we felt Padme fell in love with him in the first place was because she was essentially like a child actress. She got thrust into a position of power really, really early at a young age. Never got to have a regular relationship or have like a regular childhood so when she sees this creep who's like i love you and i'm powerful and i'll do anything for you she just totally falls for it because she's broken just like he is i always like so i mean i think that might more yeah yeah because we're better than george lucas is what we're saying here (laughs) well i mean you are (laughs) dealing with i mean i i feel like that almost i i like that explanation just because the strangeness of okay this planet has elected a queen 
which, you know, we don't usually think of as an elected position. But also she's, what, 14 or 13 at yeah. the time? Which makes me yeah. feel a little like, you know, if we're going to deal if we're looking at the prequels, if we're going to deal with the trade federation, maybe don't elect a 14 year old to run your, what appears to, I don't know, your velvet industry or whatever they have. Yeah. In Steve. Steve, I just thought of something too. It was, it was a white I just thought of makeup too, factory sure, planet. Yeah. Basically. I, don't <laughs> I just thought of something too. You know why she got elected? It was, j- it's a parallel. Arnold Schwarzenegger got elected governor of California because he was a famous actor. Right. She got elected queen because she was a famous actor. She was on like some daytime soap opera, you know, the Gungans and me or whatever it was called. But like, it just makes perfect sense. We're tired of politics. Let's put an actor in here. And she was she like, I'll be like, queen. She filmed like a bunch of movies in feed and brought like a bunch of economy into them <laughs> because they don't produce or do anything other than like makeup and fancy clothes. So they elect her and she's always dressing up like all crazy because feed, you know, and everything. Uh, it just works on so many levels, Mike. So, as far as fan theories, I really can't say I've heard any more that are really interesting. Have you dug any else out of Reddit or wherever you, you read them? So, the one thing, uh, as far as fan theories go, and I am, I don't know, this one seems a little more plausible to me. Um, and this gets back to the vision that she has, that Ray has when she touches the lightsaber. The idea that uh, one of the reasons that she's so good at, uh, you know, using the force and, you know, fighting with the lightsaber and all that, um, which, you know, there is some precedent for because, uh, you know, uh, little nine-year-old Anakin is, is superhumanly good. Like, humans can't fly these things, but he's real good at it. Uh, all right, so Ryan was making the case for Ray. Right. So, yeah. so there's some precedent for, okay, here's a non uh you know trained person uh young anakin who's really good at pod racing humans can't pod race that's it i think that's in phantom menace although it's been about it is yeah i've seen that uh so there is some precedent for that but the fan theory that has some appeal for me is that that vision isn't a vision of the future it's a vision of the past Right, so that she was actually, when she sees the vision of what I presume are the Knights of Ren, uh, because that's not actually really gotten into, they mention it, but not much beyond that, that she was present when Kylo Ren starts just killing fools at uh, yeah. Luke's Jedi school. So, I don't know, there, the fan theory that's been out there is that she was somehow, you know, force mind wiped and dropped on Jakku. And uh, all of this stuff with, you know, her her sense of, oh, her family is gone and may come back, that that's all sort of either a metaphor or, you know, not as straightforward as is depicted in the film. And that we yeah. might get into, OK, well, this is how she got there and this is why she's good at doing this, because she actually does have some like she's tapping back into something that she'd learned previously and forgotten. Okay, so I like that. So basically, she is seeing in the vision, like, almost like a repressed memory of Kylo Ren killing a guy in front of her Mm -hmm. and the Knights of Ren standing there around all the dead bodies. They think she's a dead body or something. Like, she finds a way to not get killed during the massacre. Or maybe they're cousins or brother and sister. Something that prevented him from killing her. Sure. And then yeah. Luke mind wipes her and implants these fake force memories saying, like, No, you've been on Jakku since you were a little kid. You've been here for decades. and But really, all of her fighting skills and her knowledge as a pilot and her force skills are through years of training that she's had and has just been mind wiped of right. and she's it's slowly eking back through as she goes on the adventure and as she's starting to it's not she's learning them she's yeah. slowly remembering them. right and if we're running with this fan theory you could even say that her drive to be back on jakku maybe that's you know part of the you know force mind wipe or whatever we're calling it was you need to stay here for your safety and the uh, if we're going with a fan theory, uh, you could say, well, the sense that she lost her family is kind of true. If we're talking about from know, a certain point of view, exactly. So <laughs> you could say Christ. that that's all just sort of modified, but not really. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that would make sense, like, if you were a smart Jedi and, and good at crafting a story to mind wipe to protect, because if it is Luke's daughter or Kenobi's granddaughter or whatever, like, Luke would feel protective. Um, you would want a story that would keep her there. And the story is, you're here since you're younger, you need to stay here for when your family comes back. That's going to naturally want to keep her there isolated, not using her force powers and kind of hidden from this yep. danger that is Kylo Ren, who's, I want to be the new Darth Vader. Right. And that... Wait, I... with uh, No, you're, you're fine. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Um, they've kind of set a precedent with this already. They said that um, Kylo Ren is Ben Solo, and Ben Solo went to the dark side. They did this before um, with when Han and Leia had the twins, Jaina and Jason. That is correct. Jason became Darth Cadus. And Darth Cadus went to the dark side. And he was the one, if I remember correctly, he was the one that killed Mara Jade. I believe, oh God, which it's was been Luke's so wife. so long since I've read those. Yeah, I know. Like, but the reason why I'm like stating this is because, <sighs> yeah, I know, right? Um, the reason why is because the idea that Rey is in some way related to them was on the Jedi, was in the Jedi Academy, saw all this stuff. And this is all repressed memories that she's bringing back up. But then she was mind wiped and put somewhere else to remember something else. This all rings very, very, very similar to Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic with Darth Revan. Yes. And and if I that's the told... case, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, I remember reading that there was inspiration, like Revan was an inspiration. Revan was one of J.J. Abrams' personal favorite Star Wars characters. Yeah. And so everyone was assuming, well, he was an inspiration for Kylo Ren because of the mask and the way he looks Maybe and everything. Looks but the idea of ray actually being the revan inspiration piece would trick yeah. everyone and that seems to be jj abrams like the best thing he could do with his art is trick people yeah and i gotta say how bad badass would it be if that turns out to be the case where you instead of having one person be the darth revan avatar essentially you, you have it split into two characters you have it be both um ray and Kylo Ren. I mean, I would be. Appropriate I, I would be Revan okay because because Revan was both good and bad. He right. was the yeah. duality of the Force. So in the movies, yeah. instead of having it one character, and that'd be difficult for a lot of the audience to swallow. It's easier to split the Revan up over two people and just kind of take those those set pieces. Yeah, I think um, I think we've done we, we've hit, we've hit on a lot of stuff here. So um, I think uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up here with your biggest takeaway and, and I'll give you, and I'll, I'll start with mine. So you guys kind of see where I'm going with this. The biggest thing you took away from this movie, and, and I'll tell you what it was for me sitting in this movie. I, I felt like a little kid. It, it, the excitement of seeing star Wars was there again, that the music got me amped up. Like you, you see these things, you hear these things that are, that are so familiar to you. I don't want to say I couldn't find fault in it because of that. But that had a lot to do with it. It was it was just such a throwback for me. And it really it was the first time that I had seen a movie in probably almost a decade that I was really, really, really excited about. That I walked away out of the theater just like jabbering like a little kid. I was just like, you, what about the part where you did this? What about the part where there was it was so exciting. It was so enthralling. It was it was fantastic. And that was my biggest takeaway from this is like, that's why I want to go see this movie again was because I want that feeling again. I want to feel nostalgic in a way. Um, but also it's this weird, like, I guess if you were going to use the term, it would be like neo nostalgia. It's new, but it's old as new. So, uh, Yeah. Just to build on that. I think that it, for, for myself as well, it was reentering this world re like, you know, there were old characters to connect with, but just the way everything works in Star Wars, the way, you know, okay, I know the language of what's happening. I know what, you know, is going on with the Force and lightsabers uh, and, and all of that. Just being able to re-experience that from in, in a way that's completely new, because as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there, you know, we've... I, I went to see the special editions when they came out, which that was a thing. Uh, and then the prequels <laughs> were, you know, okay, we get to see Star Wars again, but we know how it's going to end. We know where all this is going. Being able to be in that world and for the first time in, I well, for the first time ever, 
being able for me uh, to see this and see, okay, I don't know where all this is going, but I know the place it's taking place in. I know the universe it's taking place in, and I get to see new Star Wars stuff. That was, I mean, yeah, I, I, that that was another one of those, you know, this was the first time I was able to walk out of a new Star Wars movie and not know where it was going, and that was just a really great feeling. Yeah, so. absolutely. Steve, what you got? I would say for me the biggest takeaway is the joy in knowing that the property that I love is in the correct hands creatively. <laughs> Everyone absolutely. from top to bottom visually, the score, you know, John Williams was always the right pick, um, but keeping him and letting him continue to work on it. Lawrence Kasdan writing the scripts. I, I guess J.J. Yeah. Abrams read the script for eight and said – this script is so damn good. I, this is the first time I regret not taking a job as a director. Yeah. Um, I wish I was doing number eight because it's where it's going is so incredible. Um, just knowing that because when we were young and we went and saw the prequels, you know, me and Ryan talked about this yesterday. Actually, like I feel like the three of us, our age, we were right on that borderline of young enough that we can still enjoy anything but just old enough where we can see the holes with it and so we would use information and reasons to still say well it was good because of this or i enjoyed that and we were finding reasons to like it whereas yeah. this one we have to nitpick to find reasons that there was a problem with it and i felt because of the people who worked on it, the creative team, it's in the right hands. You had all kinds of worries that it's just going to be the prequels again, or God knows what Disney's going to do, and they're going to try and Disney it up and make it, you know, completely void of any meaning or depth or anything like that. Yeah. But none of that happened. It had some flaws because there's no such thing as a perfect movie that for for everyone everyone has their own personal favorite and they can see past the flaws um but it felt like star wars because the right people are working on it and it seems like the majority of the creative team and the and the actors they hired and everything it's going to be that case for eight nine as well the anthologies yeah. they're going to be what they're going to be i think some are going to be good some are going to be okay that's going to be hit and miss because they are one-offs you're just going to like some more than the others but when you're talking about the core three sequel trilogy, I'm not really worried about those anymore after seeing seven because it was fantastic. No. Me neither. And he didn't. And remember when we did the last time, the last time we had a podcast, we talked about how you were just like, just psyched out of your mind for Star Wars. But I was still apprehensive because of what Abrams did to Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally gone now. <laughs> yeah. No apprehension whatsoever because he nailed Star Wars, and as a, I as a dad, that was my argument too. It you was. didn't like the Star yeah. Trek because I'm like, that's because J.J. Abrams is trying to make Star Trek into Star Wars as far as the yeah. beats and the characters and everything. So I'm like, Mike, when he gets a hold of Star Wars, trust me, it'll be fine. I'm glad that paid off. Okay, I'm sorry, Steve. You were it's right. All good, bro. There you go. <laughs> um, as a dad, I love the fact that I get to see essentially mini Mike Lunsford reliving his childhood because when we went to Disney world, um, we got to Hollywood studios and that's where the star tours ride is. And it just happened to be Jax's birthday that day. Cause we were there for his birthday. And he said to me, and I quote, after we go on star Wars, dad, for my birthday, can I get a lightsaber and a BB eight plush and like wiping a tear away from my eye? I was like, absolutely son. You certainly can. We can do this. And then when he looked at me, he was like, I want to build Darth Vader's lightsaber. I was like, you're goddamn right you do. <laughs> like, it was, it's so cool to see this myself, but also to see it from the perspective of a kid who's like, these movies are awesome. And like, I get to relive everything again. It's fantastic. You failed, your highness. I'm like a nerd, like my father before me is basically <laughs> what you're saying, right? And Sandy looks at him and is like, so be it, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Only at the but end do you understand. Yeah, the, the true the true power of not being a, a dork and working on a website. <laughs> but this was this was a blast, dude. This really was. I'm glad that we were able to do this. Absolutely. Um, yeah, stay tuned, guys. We're going to have more soon. Uh, we always have more content. Hopefully I can talk Steve into actually writing an article again. 
sometime soon here. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you're a busy guy. I know that you've... Uh... Well, I've been on this area, this desert Pennsylvania, waiting for my family, so I feel like I should get <laughs> back to that. I've been away for too long already. <laughs> Steve, they're not coming for you. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> But thanks again for tuning in, guys. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan, it was nice uh, verbally meeting you uh, over the internet here. Uh, great having you on the podcast. Let me get the plugs out of the way here. Um, I also work, when I'm not doing this, I work on uh, the Comics Online podcast. So uh, let me give their plug. For everything geek pop culture, there's Comics Online. That's www.comicsonline.com. Check their podcasts out, because not only do I edit them, I also uh, am a co-host. But also, too, GGR, uh, www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Make sure you sign up for the podcast, subscribe to them, um, subscribe to the RSS feed or go to iTunes, go to whatever your podcast aggregate is. Go there, search for it, download them, subscribe. We've got lots of cool content coming out here real soon. Uh, but let's uh, say goodbye to everybody and wish everybody a happy holidays. Uh, so for me, Mike Lunsford, happy holidays to uh, all you uh, great geek refugees out there. From Ryan Murphy, happy holidays. And from Steven, may the force be with you always. Take it easy, guys. This has been a GDR Pirate Radio Network production. Woohoo!